Hey folks, as the country continues to react to the police killing of George Floyd, there are many legal and policy questions to grapple with. Last week, Minnesota Attorney General Keith Ellison brought a new charge, second-degree murder, against Derek Chauvin, the officer who pinned his knee on George Floyd's neck for nearly nine minutes. Meanwhile, the protests sparked by the Floyd killing have caused an urgent conversation around police reform, and there are many voices calling for, quote, defunding the police. I talk about all this and more with Ann Milgram on the Cafe Insider podcast. Each week, we break down politically charged legal issues making the headlines. Today, we're sharing a clip from this week's episode. You can listen to our full conversation and access all other Cafe Insider content with a free two-week trial of the membership. You can cancel it any time. Head to cafe.com slash insider to join. That's cafe.com slash insider. And college students with a valid EDU email can get a special rate at cafe.com slash student. There is a new slogan that has gotten a lot of attention that some people are using, particularly in Minneapolis, and that is defund the police. It's kind of controversial for a lot of reasons. I got in a discussion with my with my daughter the other night about the phrase, and she says, and other people say, well, the people who are saying defund the police, they're saying not, you know, abolish the police department, not get rid of all police, not to take away all their funding, but they're talking about a clear-eyed re-examination of where the money goes, diverting some things to other social programs, making sure that the funding of police departments is in line with what, you know, reality is and in line with what proportionality is and everything else. But that's not the slogan. So we can get into what the policies are and what reforms maybe are necessary, but should we spend a moment talking about the utility of that slogan? And by the way, none other than Al Sharpton himself said on TV the other day. I think that the slogan may be, may be misleading without interpretation. It's always been my understanding that a slogan is supposed to speak for itself. And if, and if it requires you to do a lot of Googling and read a bunch of articles to understand what is really meant aside from the plain language of defund the police, then I think you have a problem. You and I both worked in the Senate. When you worked in the Senate and when some senator stood up and said, we need to defund X, we need to defund Planned Parenthood, or we need to defund some other institution, that meant zeroing it out. What do you think? So this is one of the challenges, which is that I've I've now read a ton on this and I've talked to people about it. And your daughter... Her argument is the argument that I think a lot of people are making, which is, we just mean, let's change the way we budget the police. And the one thing that we have as power, we've we've tried all these ways to reform police departments, and they failed. We've tried use of force policies, we've tried training, and it hasn't worked to eliminate racism and bias in the police departments. So let's, the one piece of power that we hold is the power of the purse strings, the city council, the residents of a a community, we pay for the police, let's control that. And, And by the way, it is a reframing, if we want to talk about our political experience, it is a reframing of the issue away from the the reforms of the past, which were all put on top of the existing ways that police departments run. So meaning, okay, let's change the training, but let's keep basically the piping and the foundation of the police department the same, right? So we're not really changing the infrastructure, we're changing some of the the things that the department does. How do we um, do discipline? How do we do training? And this is an argument of like, let's grab the reins and let's wholesale revisit what do the police do and what are we paying for? And should we be paying for police departments that are actually a threat to black lives in the United States? And so 
there's an argument in that framing that I think is really powerful to basically say, stop talking about training. Look, even a lot of people that I really respect, when when this first happened, they came out talking about training and about, you know, use of force policies. And I think that those are really important. It's simply not enough to eradicate racism and bias from police departments. So there's a really powerful argument around the framing. The problem on the defund the police issue, in my view, is that it is being pushed not just by people who are making the argument, which I think is a powerful one of let's take the purse strings, let's actually pay the police to do the things that police need to do, and let's take everything else out. If there's a call for somebody who needs help with addiction, let's send a counselor. If there's a homeless individual on the street, let's send somebody who does a social worker who does homeless services. That makes a lot of sense, which is, you know, when do you send a gun and badge and and even then reforming the way that the gun and badge works, but understanding that we can separate out a lot of the police powers and frankly de-escalate a lot of the ways in which police are interacting with communities. That's one argument. The other argument is abolish the police altogether. And that slogan has been around for a long time. It's now morphed into this version of defund the police. But there are people saying defund the police who say, no more police departments. Let's go with the violence interruption model, which, by the way, is often used in addition to the police. It's used in addition to the police in Chicago, in New York City. And that's where you train and hire local community members. Some will be formerly incarcerated and they go out and they say to the people who they think will be the next shooter, hey, don't shoot. Here's why. We don't think you should shoot. There is research that shows they're effective, but only in the context that I've ever seen of being in addition to law enforcement. And so that's where I think the debate becomes a lot more problematic in my view. I mean, you know, you know, we did a huge amount of work to remake the police department in Camden. Ultimately, because of budget cuts, the city just couldn't sustain public safety gains. Crime was going up and they became, they disbanded the police department, became a countywide police force, rebuilt the police department from the ground up in a pretty radical way. They have, I would argue, the most progressive use of force policy in the country. They have civilians who now go out when there are car accidents instead of police officers. They're very much devoted to community policing. So they rebuilt a new police department and they disbanded the old one, but they didn't get rid of this idea that you need someone in a community that can enforce the rule of law. And frankly, I think, you know, I don't know how you feel about this, but the idea of having zero police in a community, particularly community a community where there could be violence, I worry a lot about people in states where there are lawful, where there are gun laws that allow people to carry, that you could have people taking the law into their own hands. And so that version of defund the police is not the right way to think about it. But I do think that there's an argument around reframing that is very powerful and that is going to change the ultimate outcomes in communities because we're having a different conversation than we ever had. My big quarrel is with the slogan, and I think it's really problematic. And lots and lots of people, including people in the Black Lives Matter movement, understand that it's problematic. There also happens to be, and I hate to be so political about it, there's an election that needs to be won. And it's providing fodder to bad faith people like the president and his supporters to say something that's not true. And if it happens to be the case that the reforms being suggested, as you have just recited at some length, are reasonable and fair and proportional, that's terrific. I don't know why you shoot yourself in the foot with a slogan that can be so easily misunderstood and so easily turned against you. There's lots of things we could take away from the police department, I agree. There's, you know, we ask too much of police officers and and you know police forces all the time that you know which functions could be properly done by someone else or some other entity. 
And sometimes there are things that we want the police to do that they don't have enough funding to do. For example, you know, I don't know that police departments have enough investigatory resources. Or analysts. Or cold case. Or, yeah. yeah. You know, or data. Figure yeah. out how to solve the crime as opposed to figure out how you can use the massive displays of force and have military-grade weapons. If you want to take away funding from those things and put them into things that actually make people safer, I'm all for that. I think we should audit, you know, every police department should do a self-audit and figure out what money it needs and what money it doesn't need. The problem is politically, I'm perfectly prepared. I'm not an expert, but I'm perfectly prepared to believe that police departments have bloated budgets in the same way that people have been arguing for a long time that the military has a bloated budget. And that comes at a cost to other kinds of things. It's just very politically popular to throw money at the police. It's politically popular to throw money at the military. It doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense, but I, but I worry. There's also a big similarity between the police and the military, which is that the civilians who oversee them, you know, in most cities, it's a mayor or a city council, have no experience in those spaces. Like the president of the United States oversees the military, has no experience in the military. And so there's a huge value in that. But it also does mean that when it comes time for budgets, when a police chief says to the mayor, I need X, that money often is granted. And so I think some of this conversation is is about that. But let me say two things, because I think your points are well taken. The first is that I will tell you, honestly, my first reaction to defund the police is it's viscerally to push back against it, because it sounds like the idea is we're abolishing public safety and we're abolishing the rule of law. And part of the, the problem with it is that there are these two very different visions of what it means, one of which I think would be terrible for society and for communities, the other of which I think is not defunding the police. It's more saying, you know, the residents of a community want control over how we do public safety and we want the police to do the things that are truly within their wheelhouse and we want others to do the things that the police don't need to do. And by the way, we want the police to be accountable and to have good use of force policies and all that. That to me is is a very interesting conversation about reform that I I think is really smart and thoughtful and worth having. The other is not. And so I agree on the visceral reaction. I also have an incredible visceral reaction to it. And I had to think a lot about, about it before I came to the position of actually also believing that, you know, in some ways it's used, it's being used to reframe. Now, I guess one of the challenges, Preet, if you and I were thinking about like slogans and how do you name things, like it doesn't sound quite as catchy to say reallocate half of the police, some of the police budget to other social right. service agencies needed. So I think maybe there's there's a, a point there. I do want to say one other thing though about why, and I actually I don't like the conversation around defunding. It's going to sound strange, but I'm much more comfortable with the conversation around disbanding a police department and radically remaking a police department, right? Building it sort of from the ground up like we did in Camden. And here's why. When you talk about bloated budgets and you talk about that they should be scrutinized, most people would not disagree. The reality of union contracts and police union contracts is that there is not a lot of wiggle room around those. So overtime is set contractually, pay is set contractually, and what police departments are is generally full-time employees. They're very heavy on personnel. You know, essentially you're talking about the number of officers you have often when you're debating police budgets. There's some small amount for technology. There's some small amount often for analysts and cars and things like that. There needs to be a revisiting of that because there needs to be more money for analysts and this, the type of technology and data collection that can help you actually be much smarter in how you combat crime. But right now, there's one of the issues and one of the, the sort of appeals of reforming police departments and building them from the ground up is that 
those union contracts go away. Um, and by the way, I you know come from a family of t- teachers and police officers and members of unions, and I believe very strongly that you know unions are a critical part of American society. But I also think we have to be honest about one of the reasons that we haven't seen a lot of reform in police departments often relates to these things like contracts and pushback from unions. And so, you know, this is a national conversation about like in Camden. It's also worth saying they formed a new union. They just were able to get out from under historically very, very difficult and costly police contracts that really put huge limitations on the ability of the department to bring institutional reforms. And so I prefer the conversation about, you know, reforming and reimagining policing over defunding policing. But again, I understand, you know, the anger from the protests and the rage is basically, it comes from this view of like, we pay for your salaries. And, you know, what we get is not is not acceptable. Look, and it comes from scene after scene after scene that we've been seeing on television and on our phones of really inexplicable and inexcusable police violence over and over again. You know, the sort of targeting of the press, shooting rubber bullets at point blank range. I hope you've enjoyed this sample of the Cafe Insider podcast. To listen to the full episode, head to cafe.com slash insider and try out the membership free for two weeks. Interested students with a valid EDU email can head to cafe.com slash student. To the many of you who have chosen to join the Insider community, thank you for supporting our work.